All right, we're back with another episode. Uh, this was supposed to be the Halloween episode, and these um, it was yesterday, but just with us. Um, anyways, <clears throat> on Halloween in 1953, um, the country of Bra- the oh god, the country of Belgium began broadcasting television, and um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Just um, you know, we know people that are the same age as television. That's just just strange. Yeah. Very. In 1962, the uh, famous film, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, starring Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, is released. It's gone on to become kind of a cult classic horror film. It's really good. Have you seen it? I've seen bits and pieces. I don't think I've seen it all the way through. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, in 19, 1994, kind of a jump from, you know, 30 years or so, Creep by TLC is released, and it becomes their first U.S. song to go number one, and it won the Billboard Song of the Year in 1995. Wow. Yeah, and it was, it's still a classic. Like, I can hear the tune in my head. Yeah, definitely a, a sort of, like, iconic moment in their career. Right, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely set the tone for the entire year for music. Yeah, for sure. One likes film, the other TV. Together, they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of Extreme Life Podcast with Brandon and Lauren. This week, we're introducing our No Concessions Halloween edition, where we each watch a spooky movie of our choosing in celebration of the holiday. But first, let's get into the headlines of the past week. So first up, the big story last week had to do with the season five premiere of Insecure, um, as they received backlash over some black Greek paraphernalia appearing in the episode. Yes. Um, as we know, one of the characters played by Amanda Seals is an AKA, Alpha Kappa Alpha and Sorority Incorporated, and she was uh, shown on screen in one of their sweaters with their official lettering and shield. Right. Um, the organization, well, members of the organization online sort of like we're outraged because it's a cardinal sin to not be a member of the organization and to wear yeah. their letters. So there was a big back and forth online. People saying, you know, they couldn't do this without getting an organization from the national um, board of the organization. I guess it came out they, that they did not get permission. So now AKA is seeking legal whatever against insecure. I don't, I'm not, not exactly sure what will come of that. Yeah. But I think it's all a bit overblown, especially when they've shown and done things related to their sorority throughout the entire series. So this isn't the first time this has happened. It's just the first time yeah. they've said anything about it. That's a, that's a bit much. I, I saw some of the backlash. And what's crazy is that it seems like there's been a backlash, a lot of backlash. And there's only been like, what, two or three episodes? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, every episode, somebody has something negative to say about it. Like, damn, I bet you Issa Rae's glad this shit's ended. Yeah, black people do the most over oh, they, 
the littlest things. And I know it's supposed to be like this thing, but we've got to relax on some of these unwritten rules when it comes to some of our cultural yeah. mores or whatever. Because the way that sounds, they're making it sound like she, you know, wearing gang colors. Right. Like, and and she didn't misappropriate or misbehave yeah. or one of the letters. It's just very strange. Right. Um, and better news, Cal Penn, actor and sort of activist, um, came out as gay. Yeah, um, so Yes, he has a memoir coming up next month ca- called You Can't Be Serious. And in it, he divulges that he and his partner, who have been together for 11 years, are engaged to be married. So he kind of goes through um, how they met while he was working for the Obama administration in D.C. and his career and everything like that. So um, congrats to him and his future husband. Yeah, that's crazy. I, to keep anything secret, 11 years. Well, I'm sure people knew, but. Right. And I never had any inkling to think otherwise. No. He was always just doing his thing, but right. you know, 11 years is definitely a long time. Right. And then finally this weekend, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame had their induction ceremony in New York, I believe. No, Cleveland. 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 Right. At the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, of course. Um, and this year's inductees were LL Cool J, The Go-Go's, Tina Turner, Todd Rundergen, Rundgren, yeah. Randy Rhodes, Gil Scott Heron, Kraftwerk, Billy Preston, Charlie Patton, and Clarence Avent. Uh, wow. So it's a, a very good list. Um, I know with Carol King and Tina Turner, I think they become maybe the second and third women in the Hall of Fame for a second time. Wow. Um, King was part, was in there already part of a group, and then Tina Turner was, of course, was already in there, a part of Ike and Tina Turner. Right. Um, oh, and Sean Carter. I can't believe I forgot that name. <laughs> Good Lord. Sean, Jay-Z Carter wasn't there as yeah. well. Um, and a host of people, including Obama, Dave Chappelle, sort of were part of his um, induction ceremony. So, yeah, it was a very uh, large class. And I believe right. the official ceremony will air on HBO November 20th. There's always, whenever the list comes out, somebody always talks about, well, you know, half of these people aren't even rock and roll or da 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 da. Rock and roll, clearly music in general, sir. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, my news, I don't have any good news, but um, <laughs> first, here we have some more information about the incident that happened on the uh, set of um, Rust, the movie where the cinematographer and the director were shot and the cinematographer unfortunately passed away. Uh, Alec Baldwin uh, finally spoke out, and this was maybe, I think, like the 29th or 28th of October, and he just kind of said that, you know, talked about how bad he felt and kind of gave his play-by-play of the events and that, you know, she wasn't just... Um, somebody who worked there he was kind of close to her she he said you know when he first arrived in santa fe that um, he went out to dinner with her and they talk and they were you know trying to get acclimated with everything so this wasn't just mm-hmm. nobody you know he, he'd, he'd be affected if he shot anybody i would think so but right but yeah so that that's what he said so yeah still a, a crazy crazy 
incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, past that, um, uh, still related to that story, uh, <laughs> producers of the film Rust were warned about David Hall, who's the first assistant director, um, about his safety and precautions on previous productions, just how they kind of weren't up to scratch or what they they needed to be. And um, just called, they called him a liability and just pretty much that someday somebody was going to get killed because of his kind of um, recklessness and uh, just his his lack of, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess professionalism. So. Yeah. I believe it came out today that he said that he did not check the weapon for live ammunition right. or any ammunition before handing it to Baldwin. Um, and apparently he what that wasn't even his job. The armorer was supposed to be doing that. Right, right. She was she was doing double duty as another uh, position on the set. So there's some type of issue going on just on the set in general where you have people doing twice the job and just safety protocols weren't up to snuff. Apparently. Right, right. So, yeah, that's going to be playing out for a while. Uh, I think when that finally, and I think it will get to it, probably court cases, that's going to be nuts to kind of hear everything. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And then lastly, and kind of in entertainment news, John Bon Jovi, um, who everybody probably knows, uh, has contracted COVID and because of that has had to cancel some performances. So just another one last week, I think I said it was Ed Sheeran who had gotten sick and went virtual, but Ed Sheeran's a little bit different. You know, uh, John Bon Jovi is, I think he's 60 years old or close to it. So mm-hmm. you kind of hope that, you know, he, uh, he gets, he gets better. Can't lose anymore. Why? Like, iconic people to this damn virus. Exactly. And believe the same week, uh, Brian Adams announced he had contracted COVID. Right. Yeah. He was actually supposed to perform at the rock and roll induction for the Tina Turner segment. He had to pull out. So it's it's still out here. I don't know why people, we have a vaccine, but you can still contract it because that's the way it goes. (laughs) And and the crazy one, this is nuts because she's not even entertainment, but oh, God, I cannot pronounce her last name, but the press secretary for. The president yes. has it. And she's in constant contact with this man who is in his late 70s. And it's like, Jesus, please do not give it to Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And so, I was seeing that story unfold online. Well, specifically on Twitter. She, you know, is working remotely, has few symptoms because so she's been vaccinated. But on the flip side, uh, Kristen Swanson, most known for her role in the film, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, was an yes. anti-vaxxer. She's got it, and she has pneumonia as a result, and is in the hospital on the ventilator. So, damn, yeah. So, it you still need to get vaccinated. Is moral of the story? Yes. Wear that damn mask. It, that too, and social distance. Like, just stay away from me. Period. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, in our box office news, Dune takes the uh, weekend again with fifteen point five million. Yeah. Um which is still a win, but definitely a lot less than it's 60 at the premiere. I, 
I mean, people were just out for Halloween doing God knows what, and the weather right. was getting a little more chillier. So I don't know if we're going to see as many people out and about as we previously did. No, yeah. That's probably a good point. Yeah. And in trailer things, we got a heap of new content, series, films that are coming out every which way. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first two are from Netflix. Um, the Unforgivable. Yeah. Bullock, Vincent Diofino, Viola Davis. Um, who else? Tim Robbins is in this. If, yeah. Is Pretty stacked cast. Yeah, the cast is amazing. Um, basically... Bullock is playing a woman being released from prison after, I think, 20 or some odd years. Yeah, she, like, committed a crime when she was a younger woman, yeah. Yes, for, uh, specifically for killing a cop. Yeah. Um, And she's trying to piece her life back together, and part of her mission is to re- be reunited with the little sister um, that she had to leave behind, that she swears that she was protecting on that fateful day. Um, And I think it's going to highlight many obstacles uh, felons uh, are run into trying to get reacclimated into regular society. Yeah. Um, But it it looks amazing, especially that one, I don't know, six second clip between Viola and and her. Right. um, Just acting. Um, but yeah, Ginger, kind of, Ginger Bullock got range, man. She can do it. She definitely does, and I think people forget that she yeah. got kind of caught up in that rom com era right. and everything else. But you know, she gave us Bird Box. She gave us like the thrillers in the nineties. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely interested in this. I believe this comes later this month. Yeah. And then the Mexican film, Prayers for the Stolen, this looks very interesting. This trailer was was heavy. And uh, hold on, I just lost track of it. I was literally just looking at it. Um, but yeah, so what I can gather from this film is that it is about um, people, not people, but how do, how do I say this? I, I can't tell if it's like a cartel or, or what's, who is after them. It's kind of like a government or... Yeah, it's basically, I think, like, federal, not agents, but, like, some type of agency connected to government that's right, right. very dirty and corrupt. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it has to do something with Joe Carl to that. And they're, they're being stolen. They're being taken away from their homes and everything. And um, at least from what I gather, it looks like a kind of a film that goes through uh, progressions. It looks like we're going to follow the same young woman through her life. Is that what you kind of see, or is it? That's what I was figuring, like a group of friends or whatever centered on specifically one, but like, right. yeah, seeing seeing them come of age and, you know, that certain age is when they're from their village for whatever uh, unsavory purpose. Right. So, and this has been entered as Mexico's, um, it's, it is Mexico's entry for the best international feature film for the Academy Awards. Um, so if they've got that much hope, and I think it'll be, it must be really good, but the trailer's kind of, it's moving. Like you can't watch it and not, and, and not be like, wow, that's yeah, that's Yeah, so I'll be definitely uh, tracking its progress during the award season up to the Oscars. 
Yep, and that comes out on Netflix November 17th. All right, just a few weeks. Yeah. Then we've got uh, Landscapers over at HBO. Yeah, I I saw the, what do you call it, screenshot on YouTube, and then I went to watch it and then got interrupted, but this is some type of, like, crime drama? Yeah, so... At least from what I can gather, first of all, I think it's based on a true story to some extent, but um, it's Olivia Coleman and, uh, oh, I can't pronounce his, his name. I can see right his face, but. Yeah, Jesus, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, we'll come back to it, we'll get that. But they play a couple who is just kind of an ordinary couple and they kind of fall into the spotlight when you know a couple of bodies are discovered in their backyard on like in their house and from there it becomes a thing of I guess unraveling this mystery of why they're there who these people were and who are these two seemingly normal people that um, that people know so but yeah, it looks good, and I think it's it's like a four episode limited series type thing. So, and it doesn't come out until December. So. Okay, yeah, they're Always describing good. describing yeah. as a a black comedy drama. Right, right. His name I can't think of his last name. I can't pronounce his last name. His name, but it's David Thewlis. Thewlis, like Thewlis, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I can't pronounce it, but yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, most things with Olivia Coleman. Everything she touched pretty much turns to gold. Looks very interesting. Yeah. Um, Back to Netflix, we have uh, upcoming Korean drama Hellbound. Yeah. And believe this is from the same uh, director behind uh, Train to Busan and Peninsula. Um, Basically, it's the end of the world. Like, (laughs) yeah. Some people are being. Uh, having these uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Encounters with some type of demonic spirits, saying that they're going to die in five days, and then there are these black beasts that are attacking people, and amongst all this, amongst all this chaos, this church it rises up and forbades people to sort of take up their righteous arms to get protected. It looks very dark. Yeah, it looks intense. South Korea, man, they, they're not playing around. They really don't, and I need to really get into more of their dramas because they're all like exquisitely produced, well-written, yeah. well-acted. Um, so yeah, Squid Game is just sort of like the tip of the iceberg. Right. It's kind of nuts. Um, all right, the next one and the uh, last one that I have on here is Blade Runner Black Lotus. And this is an animated series, and it's it's kind of like a, it would be in the same canon, I guess, of, of Black um, of Black Lotus, of Blade Runner. And it's supposed to be set in between the two live-action Blade Runner movies. So um, I, I can't really how describe what's going on but it falls like a young woman who has amnesia and uh she's trying to hunt down the people who have wronged her in the past and find out who she is so not too different from the real blade hunter except now we're finally an animated woman 
Um, and the cool thing is this comes on Adult Swim. So, um, and it's supposed to come out the 13th, if I'm not mistaken, the 13th at like midnight. I've been trying to set my DVR, but every time I go to like the guide, it's not there. So I mm. just have to keep checking. But um, but yeah, so I'm excited for it. It, it does look good. I've been he- <clears throat> excuse me hearing a lot about it. Um, yeah, especially just because it's on Adult Swim. <clears throat> yeah. Um, my final one is a surprise to me. I had no idea this was coming out. Um, Disney Pixar released the first trailer for their film Lightyear. Oh yeah. Um, this will be an sort of origin tale of Buzz Lightyear, who will be played by Chris Pratt. Not Chris Pratt, Jesus no. <laughs> Chris Evans, the good Chris, yeah. the best Chris. Right. Chris Evans will be taking over the role of Buzz Lightyear, showing his sort of origins in a different universe, separate from the Toy Story uh, world. Right. Um, I believe this is set for next year, if I'm not mistaken. The trailer kind of, I won't, I won't say it creeped me out, but I don't know what I was expecting Buzz Lightyear to look like. <laughs> yes, the memes were hilarious. Yeah, they um, were. <laughs> They kept saying he was at the Capitol on January 6th, and then yeah. they kept saying he looked like that one actress, and he really did. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the trailers of some of the things we're excited for coming this year and next year. Um, but now we'll get into what we've actually been watching the past few weeks with Streams of the Week. <laughs> So, what have you been watching? Um, okay, once again, back to Netflix, and I couldn't remember if I had talked about this or not, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. Um, I watched a show called Equinox, or Equinox, however you want to pronounce it, and the show is set in, um, I want to say Belgium or Denmark? It is set in Europe, in, uh, Denmark, and it follows kind of this how do I say it? Well, the first thing you see is that there's a young group of people, a group of young people who have just graduated. And on this graduation thing, they're taking this big trip on this bus across the city. Uh, we meet a young girl whose sister is one of the graduates. And then they disappear into the woods. They go to the woods to get drunk and they never reappear. They go missing. Like people go missing and only like three of the graduates come back to town. And so it fast forwards, and the young sister is now a radio host, and she's a grown woman doing her thing. And during one of her shows, a guy comes in and gives cryptic messages about, you know, I know where your sister is. And, you know, I know. And he starts saying all these names, and she starts flipping out, telling the person to write it down or do this and do this. And, uh, and then it just proceeds. The rest of the show is her trying to figure out this mystery and uh, what happened to her sister and all these other things. And um, it was, it's pretty decent. It, there's some dark parts and uh, some, what do you say, some holes, but it, it all, overall, it, it's a, I would think it's a good, a good watch, kind of. I think the supernatural element of it kind of throws it off a little bit. Okay. Yeah, but it, it was decent. All righty. Um, speaking of super- 
elements. I watched the movie Spell, which I believe came out last year. Um, this was Omari Hardwick and Loretta Devine. Um, Omari plays a father who's his family to his father's funeral deep in Appalachia and their plane crashes during the storm. Yeah. And he winds up in the house owned by Loretta Devine and her husband. And I guess yeah. like their son or barn hand, whoever. Um, and they practice hoodoo. Oh. And um, he's looking for his family and trying to escape. It was very not good. Um, <laughs> it it was simple. Um, I think they wanted to sort of explore sort of the history of hoodoo with you know African Americans. Yeah. Um, because it's all it's all intertwined and sort of like how there that religion does exist and many of us we seem to run away from it, but it isn't something to to fear. Right. It's, um, yeah. yeah, it just sort of just meagered from point A to point B to point C, kind of very uh, predictable. Plus, it was written by a white man, so I was a little confused. Uh, well, that's 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 not good. Yeah. So um, I had won it through a sweepstakes, so I just oh, said, just, oh, let me watch it, and yeah. That makes sense. So, um Definitely. Some some reason I'm not very sold on Amari Hardwick as an actor. No, I could see that. He's... Other yeah. than other than Power, which I've never really watched, I don't really care for him and a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, I think some people shouldn't branch out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but on a good note, I did check out Apple TV's new series, Swagger. Um, okay. This is the show that's sort of loosely based on Kevin Durant's uh, teenage life, growing up as you know a basketball prodigy and in that uh, sort of in the world of, um, I, I don't know what you call it, like professional youth basketball players, like those yeah. seeking to go Division One and to the pros or whatnot. It's, right, right. it's actually really good. Okay. Um, the actor that plays uh, the main you know, basketball star, Isaiah Hill, who's actually Lauren Hill's nephew, he's really good. Because awesome. usually when you get people that can play a sport in a movie, their acting does not come through. But I think they've managed to find actors who can do both. So hmm. it, it's definitely a, a standout um, for the platform. And O'Shea Jackson Jr., is really gay, really great as one of the other main characters. Yeah. Okay. So if you like sports, definitely check it out. Um, it is it, really solid. There's three episodes out right now. And then the CW released their reboot of 4400. Um, 4400 citizens disappear decades ago, all different times of of existence, and then all reappear in this year. Yeah. And to try to figure out the mystery. Um, in this version, a lot of those that had reappeared are black. So they explore things of, you know, race and class and sort of like identity. Oh, wow. Um, it's a little heavy handed because it is a CW, but I'm su- very surprised that they've taken on this show 
that's sort of the themes that they're approaching. So I'm definitely going to keep watching it. It comes on every uh, Monday at nine. Mm-hmm. All righty. Right now, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll have our special no concessions where we'll each discuss a spooky movie we watch for Halloween. Welcome back, and we'll get into our double edition of No Concessions this week. Um, We decided to each watch a film uh, associated with Halloween, whether it's vampire, werewolf, just a scary movie, basically. Right. right. Um, We'll sort of discuss it. Don't want to spoil anything, just in case you haven't seen it, and whether we would recommend it or not. So, uh, you want to go first? Uh, You you can go first. (laughs) Okay, sure, sure. Um, my film I decided to watch was uh, the zombie film Train to Busan. Oh, yes. That's a good one. Yes. I had never seen it before, um, and I heard just wonderful things about it, explicitly, explicitly that it's one of maybe the best zombie movies, you know, of all time, really. Oh. Um, it came out in 2016 from director Yun Shang Ho. And basically, it follows a father played by um, Siak Wu, who has sort of um, sort of forgotten to sort of care for others. He's a funds manager, all caught up in his career, and sort of just all about himself. Um, yeah. He's going, going through a divorce, and his daughter um, wants to visit their mother for her birthday. But, you know, he has custody and he sort of wants to put it off until he gets a a business thing handled. But, you know, she really wants to go. So he decides to take her on her birthday to Busan to see her mother. Um, At the same time, some sort of biotech company has leaked some type of uh, material or toxic uh, waste thing that's infected the country and turning people into zombies. So imagine, you know, your run-the-mill zombie movie, but on a fast-speed train. <laughs> yeah, just that's insane. Yeah, like small compartments, nowhere really to run, but you know, to other cars, and it's a zombie uh, apocalypse. Um, it was incredibly well written. Uh, well acted on everyone's part and I think above all apart from you know the great horror was the story and its message of um, just being nice to others thinking putting others before yourself right Um, just being a good person because you have you know the father who's very self-centered and self-absorbed and compared to his daughter who who is very welcoming to others, very kind to others, and thinks of others. Um, it was a great contrast. And you could see that throughout the film with different characters and situations and how that sort of self-centeredness would not be best during a zombie epidemic. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, that sounds good. And I, I mean, I've seen it. So, yeah, I know it's, it's good. I think um, definitely should check that out. Yeah, um, okay. I strongly recommend it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. 
for mine, I went further back. Um, TCM or Turner Classic Movies, of course, was showing all kind of like the classic horror films, like you know Frankenstein and all that. But um, one of the big names in horror that you know I think people still know uh, was Vincent Price, and they showed his film House of Wax. And um, mm. uh, <laughs> it, I think when you watch films from that far ago, like this was made in 1953, it's easy to think, oh, well, this is cheesy. But when you really stop to watch it, you could see how uh, you could see how back then, without technology and the stuff we have now, you could see how people could be creeped out by it. Yeah. But um, so, for starters, uh, Vincent Price's character is a wax sculptor, and in his museum, he has sculptor sculptor sculptures of like historic events. So there's Joan of Arc, there is. Uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln's assassination. There are other different people, things that he has, he sculpted. And his business partner wants to burn the wax museum so that they can and collect the insurance policy. But, and you get glimpses of it. Um, Vincent Price's character, Henry, is like obsessed with these sculptures. He talks to them. He says they talk to him. And people figure that he means it like, not literally, but he genuinely sits there and talks to them when nobody's there. And so what happens is that a little bit goes on and then eventually his partner does create a fire and they, they fight and he sets, an, <laughs> he sets them on fire with a concussed Vincent Price laying on the floor after their fight. And this kind of sets the movie off. And then uh, what happens next is the town that they're in becomes uh, kind of plagued or I guess harassed by this kind of gruesome figure and at the point they don't know who it is but he's his face is burnt his hands are burnt and what he's doing is he's going around town and um and and murdering people and uh you know taking their bodies and um i'm trying to say this without spoiling um there's not much more i can say if i don't want to ruin it because then it gets into like the real meat of the story and uh, and who this villain is and why they're doing what they're doing and all that. So um, what I will say is that it's 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 really good. And while it may seem cheesy, I could see how it could be entertaining to like you know the crowds back in the fifties. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they kept yeah. horror, they kept horror movies short back then. This was like I think under an hour and a half. So. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, they, they got right to the shit back then. There wasn't oh, yeah. any any time wasted. Right. Yeah, and Vincent Pr- Vincent Price is like legend of yeah, horror yeah. and just film in general. Yeah, he was. What's crazy about him is that um, you know he he of course did his movies and he had a lot of them, but he had. A lot of people from that era can't say that, you know, they had a super successful career past maybe their biggest point. He had a, a big career until he was an old, old man. I mean, he did his films and then he he branched into serious films after he left horror and then came back to horror and he did a lot of voice work as well. So I'm, I'm not mistaken, I can swear I remember him doing like voice work for like Was it, was it Scooby-Doo or something? His voice was in something. I know yeah. that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think it was Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Definitely. Some of their movies and shows. Yeah. He's the, he's a legend. Yeah. And I mean, he was in Edward Scissorhands. So, yeah, he's, he was he had a good career. So. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, <clears throat> before we get out of here, what, you, what will you be streaming for the weekend? Um, well, since it is the fall and it is dark and terrifying, it is time for uh, true crime. Um, as much as I have a hate-love relationship with it. And Netflix has a new series coming out this Thursday, I believe, called Catching Killers. And what it does is they go with detectives who kind of retrace their steps um, some of their most notable crimes or crimes that kind of stuck with them through the years. So I will definitely be checking that out. All righty. And I will be... Um... Checking a new series out that's actually ending next uh, next year, um, The Last Kingdom. Um, I came upon this series from someone else recommended it. Um, it's set, you know, years before England was like an established yeah. country, um, and sort of explores historic uh, fiction about you know the Vikings' arrival and. The, the resistance that they sort of brought to England, whoever was in reign there. Yeah. Um, but it ha- it will eventually have five seasons. So I think we'll start that just to try something different. Um, and then I need to start the second season of Love Life on HBO Max. So oh, that's okay. what I'm hoping to check out. And I totally forgot Eternals comes out this weekend. Yeah, that's true. Damn. Um, I guess I'll go see that if I have time. <laughs> but we'll see, especially with the weather. I know it's supposed to be kind of cold. Yeah. So. It is getting bad quickly. So. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, Next week, we've got something special in hand. November is American Indian Heritage Month. So I think for the rest of the month, we want to explore films that sort of highlight the indigenous experience. Um, Tried my best to find variety films you could choose from, whether to watch the same ones or watch different ones, whichever is most available to us. But just sort of the track the progress of representation throughout the years. Um, Just recently, uh, Native representation has become something more common, especially on the small screen. Um, but there were some pivotal moment, moments throughout the history where film has sort of centered on them, whether it's you know through a white protagonist or an actual Native right. um, character. So it should be interesting. I hope to learn learn a lot and just sort of explore the that journey throughout um, throughout Hollywood. Yeah. All right. This has been another episode of the Stream of Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share with others wherever you listen. Um, And until we meet again, keep on streaming. Peace. Thank you for listening to another edition of It's a Streamable Life. If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast on Apple Podcasts and all other major platforms. And for more content, follow us on our socials at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at AS Life Podcast.